Once upon a time, two men decided if they were making the cut. And then they made the cut. And now JT and Aaron are talking everything from wrestling to pop culture and beyond. Because it's no holds barred. Will you back down, turn and run? Or stand up with the best? No holes, Barred. Are you sa- are you sad they never did a sequel to No Holds Barred? Well, if you believe her coons, it was supposed to be No Holds Barred. How much more can it take, or something like that? Uh, and then it was renamed Suburban Commando. <laughs> so I don't I don't know if that was ever actually a real thing, or if that was just like a rumor going around that Hogan's next movie was going to be a sequel. But that was all over the herb notes okay. that we talk about on the Place TV podcast. Was it a was it like a um, was it a success in any way? Uh, I, I don't probably not. Probably not. I don't remember like if it was considered a a success or a bomb. Right. It it made sixteen million U.S. dollars. Hmm. But that's 1989, right? Or 90, whatever. So is that good? I don't know. Like, look, The Wrestler made 44.7. Okay, but that was 2007 or whatever. Yeah, like, it doesn't seem like it's, like, it doesn't seem like it made that much more. Right. Beyond that made 2 million. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a very niche documentary. Uh, no holds barred. So the budget was eight million. So they actually they're double. I mean, you know, paid eight, made sixteen. So that that seems okay. I guess. I mean, like, it's it's so hard to figure out because like movies are always like, well, you know, they have to make at least double or triple to be profitable. Some like they they say that about movies right, sometimes, right? right? It says the movie debuted number two behind Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, Vince financed the movie more or less broke even because of distribution fees. Mm. Uh, and that's all it really says. I mean, it was panned by critics, 10% approval on Rotten Tomatoes, but it's only 21 reviews. Right. I this can't imagine cool. the reviews. Of... Why? Why would they do such a thing? Because of jerks, elitist jerks. Such a powerhouse performance by uh, Kurt Fuller, too. How how could mm. they? He's so good in that movie. He's the best, bro. He's. It might be the greatest performance. Uh, do you think at any point he realized that he was uh, essentially doing the role of Vince McMahon? Yes. Slash, it's like, like when, it's still kind of the role that he had in Wayne's World, too, or at least that kind of in Wayne, because he's like the cable mogul, you know? Yeah. That's true. Like, I wonder if it was like, um, like when Jason Alexander realized he was playing a version of Larry David in Seinfeld and everything just clicked. Right. Or when he realized he was playing, I don't know, let's try to think of a comp for a pretty woman. <laughs> on, on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, it has a, um, a, uh, a tomato meter of 10%. Yeah, that's so would that be? I guess, I guess that's certified rotten. Uh, Johnny Rotten. Right. Uh, audience reaction though, thirty four percent. So that's better. I mean, they were on tomatoes with like twenty reviews. I don't, I don't count that. No, an audience rating is five thousand. Right. Yeah, five thousand people stood up for no holds, stood up for WWE and no holds barred. Well, we're gonna stand up for the continuing project we have going on here. And that is rating and breaking down, ranking every single WWE world title change of all time. This has been a fun project. I feel like we've gotten some good feedback on it. We've been cruising along. We've uh, already talked about 27 matches and tonight we're going to cover just one because it's the end of a year long title reign. 
we'll get into that. And then, of course, it's a pretty big uh, match as well. So we'll take some time on it. But uh, Aaron, would you like to explain our grading system? Absolutely. So we have got five categories that we are each ranking out of 10. Those categories being match quality, significance, the moment, the build, and the aftermath. That gives us a nice round score out of 100. Mm-hmm. And uh, so far, out of the, God, how many have we done now? We've done 27, uh, 27 matches so far. Good Lord. So out of that, uh, we only have, um, it's funny, the highest rated match is only at a 78. Mm-hmm. And the lowest rated match is at a 16. Okay. And one of those two matches involves Stan Stasiak. I'll let you guys figure out which one that is. <laughs> do you think anything has a shot? Like, what do you, what's your prediction for the closest? A hundred? Yeah, the closest to a hundred. Like, what's, does anything get close? Maybe WrestleMania 17. Yeah, we'll say about that, but maybe. I, I I don't know. Oh, you know what would be? Maybe Punk Cena. Yeah, that's probably up there. Maybe I was gonna say Brian Cena, but the aftermath may kill that one. Oh, the aftermath is absolutely terrible on that one. Same with Punk Cena, though, really. Well, yes and no, because, like, I think the aftermath is disappointing, but, um, but it it still, it still ends up, I guess his next one is the real title reign. Correct. It still ends, they, they fuck it up, but not so bad. Right. Yeah, 17 is probably the best shot. How about. Trying to think of what. Austin Michaels. Yeah, that's a good one because the match is is good. It's not great. The build is awesome with Tyson. Follow up's um, pretty good, obviously. Yeah, the significance is huge. Yeah, that could be it. That could be the yeah. one. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could argue, and we'll see if we do argue it because it's us. I guess you could argue that the um, his actual reign is not right. that. You know, like there's a lot of it, it. I mean, it changes the company, becomes him and McMahon, but he actually loses the title way quicker than you would think. Yeah, but I think you factor in that in that time frame, we get quick title changes. That's the norm of right. that time frame. So it's actually like it's, and he only loses this for a day, you know, and then he's got it till September. So it's like, I don't know. Yeah. I think that's I think that's a sneaky one to to make a potential run. That's all. Yeah, I mean, like Punk, like Punk in 2011. When does that reign end? When he le- like that night when he leaves? Right. Mm. Right. That's a tricky one. Well, we got a lot to cover before we get there. So <laughs> we sure do. Uh, yeah. So we are on Bret Hart versus Diesel from November 19th, 1995, at the Survivor Series. In Washington, D.C. This is the culmination of Diesel's year-wrong Tutterain. We talked about his win on our last episode where he defeated Bob Backlund in Madison Square Garden. And uh, it's been quite the roller coaster Tutterain for him. We talked about it a little bit, I think, on um, the last episode that I, I believe still his Tutterain doesn't really go in the tank until Mania. So I think right. there was some salvaging that could have been done. What that is, I don't know. Um, like, could he have, again, <laughs> lost it in May? to, Or d- just have Sean win at Mania, maybe, and then they go back and forth? Or have Diesel keep it if you want to keep the long reign, but just improve the challenger situation? I still think one of their big misses was turning Bigelow so quickly, right. especially turning Sean at the same time. It was like you took away two top heels and made them faces overnight with and, and i guess i mean them. i guess you added sid but i mean it was a miss so i i would have i would have slowed down the sid stuff i would have 
slowed down Bigelow's turn and, and had Diesel Bigelow at in your house one. And then maybe have the turn there where Bigelow loses and DiBiase finally has had enough of him. And then you right. can just, if you want to do the Diesel Sid thing, you can do King of the Ring and in your house two, eliminate that stupid, terrible tag. Um, you know, I think obviously, I think there's a fix with Mabel. If I mean, there's a world too where you can still do the Sid matches if you want and drag out Bigelow to SummerSlam. I think you probably that's like a push to, if you try to pull that out till SummerSlam. But I guess it's possible they could try and keep him heel till then and make him the big SummerSlam challenger as a, as a thank you for Mania and then have him turn. Um, I always thought too one other wild card in there would be Yoko. Oh yeah. Instead of Mabel at SummerSlam, if you want to do like a big dude, at least he's got like the credibility. I think so. th- I think there's another there's another wild card in there that's always my go-to in the '90s, and that's Lex Luger. Right. Yes, that's the other one. Yep. You're not doing anything with this dude. Like, Correct. Yeah. Turn him heel, make him an arrogant man again, and have like he'd he'd probably actually be an interesting opponent for Diesel. I'll tell you who's not an interesting opponent for Diesel is I just watched the Davy Boy Smith match from the mm-hmm. month before this. Mm-hmm. It's fucking terrible. It's awful. Like it's it. They have just such negative chemistry. I don't get it. I, I don't get why it's so bad. <laughs> like Chad and I covered it on Warzone a couple of years ago, but I don't get. It. Well, it's it's the whole str- from like I don't I don't know if you maybe like maybe you'll agree it's they they go with this structure where it's bulldog mm-hmm. working the leg the whole match, yeah, and it's it bye bye excitement for any of the match because bulldog's forte is not working the leg and Diesel's forte is not laying on the ground selling. Right, they needed to throw some bombs. I mean, and Bulldog goes on to have a great match at In Your House Five with Brett <laughs> two months later. So uh, obviously well, did- there, there was something there, you know. Well, and Diesel has a great match with Brett this month, right? You're right, so right. like, so it's like a common denominator here that should have really been maybe champion. And I remember when I did the year that was for 1995. And that was my first episode mm-hmm. um, because I, I thought it was the worst year in company history. And what I kept coming back to was, it's like if they had just not wasted Bret Hart this year, right? The year would be so much better. Yeah, there's a bunch of misses. They have the talent for sure. Um, across the board, like uh, Bulldog's kind of wasted for most of the year. Luger, Owen, e- even Jarrett, even though he's like IC champion, like still feels like they're not really getting the potential out of him uh, until right. the Sean match. So like th- this Razor is kind of on fumes as well. There's some little changes they could have done throughout this year. I-, I think one they had planned to do, and that was turn Razor heel and have him fight the Undertaker at Mania. Like that was planned. I think that could have been a big one. I think Razor could have really used the heel turn in there. It saves us from the, the kid stuff later in the year if you had to turn Razor heel. And then just mixing up Diesel's opponents a bit. And if you turn Razor heel, this is what's stopping us now from doing Diesel Razor at SummerSlam. I know we lose the ladder match as a result, but maybe that's an option. Yeah, and I, I'm sure we could just find, I don't know, anything else for Sean to do. Like, well, you could just Sh- do Sean Sid. I mean, that was the plan anyway. Oh, yeah, you could do that. Or again, you could throw Luger in there. I- I'm kind of sad we never got a Sean Luger match because I bet that would have been really good. Right, that too. I mean, I'm sure we got it on a Raw or something, but like, you know. I don't like, think so. I don't know. Maybe some really? random Malcolm tape or something, but. It's funny, eh? Because whenever whenever I see those two interact, in, they interact in the 94 Rumble and they interact in the 95 Rumble, which is our other project going mm-hmm. going on every Monday, every Monday. Every time I see them interact, I'm like, oh, this is a pairing that probably could have been really great. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Sean, it's like, pinballing all around. Yeah, it's like a more athletic version of Flair. Mm-hmm. So Diesel comes into this <laughs> in, in not the best shape uh title reign wise he's been through the ringer his character's been really kind of disassembled as we've gone through the year he's not quite as over as he was a year ago when he won you could tell the writing was on the wall uh coming yeah. into this match i think it would have been a pretty big shock if he walked if he walked out of here <laughs> with champion. the belt yeah, now his the pre-match stuff or, or the video packets at the start of this mm-hmm. with Diesel saying you want what I got but it's dear to me too is some of the most clunky wording like right. why why didn't they edit that in any other way yeah 
It feels like they don't give a shit about anything in October of 95. <laughs> like, it feels like they know they suck. Uh, <laughs> you know, and the legend is, right, right, Vince threw down the headset at the end and cursed out Diesel, all this other stuff. So it's like, I feel like they knew they needed change. And I think they get it. And and, and again, Chad and I have walked through it. They They get some change late in the year right. and into 96, but it's still not enough of a change to really overhaul the promotion. It's really not until where we're at no, right because... now on Wrestling Warzone that they start to see significant <laughs> change. And that's really, I think, comes around October, November 96, when they start to really amp it up with Brett coming back and they really get behind Austin after Mind Games. Mankind Undertaker is going strong. So like the, you could tell that they're starting to figure it out a little bit more. The biggest change that they needed to do and they do in February is Raw had to go live and look freshened up. Right. That was their biggest problem was that these Raws, when you get to the third, fourth week of the taping, they're so stale and boring. Right. They needed to shake as much as we all love squashes and stuff, but they needed to like shake that formula up and they do it finally in, in early 97. I would also add that it's it's one of the many times that they like, especially after the show, where they kind of refuse to learn the lesson. Like, right. So, like, the, I think it's the next night on Raw. Diesel comes out and cuts like the promo where he's like, "I'm back," and like, mm-hmm. "I'm going to be slapping hands, but only hands with gloves on." Right? Like, yes. Yes. And like, that's a I love that promo. And it's like, oh, okay. And then from that point on, we get a really interesting Diesel character, right? Mm-hmm. And it it kind of goes to show that like they fucked up Diesel. Right. They made him be someone he wasn't, but then they kind of make the same mistake right away with Shawn Michaels. It's, it, it is only when you're t- around where you're talking about in late 96, where they finally kind of start to move away from that. Right. Like, okay, maybe, maybe we just let guys be themselves and we see what happens. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, the place when, when, uh, when Brett comes out for this match, the place goes absolutely crazy. Yeah, and he had been set up as a challenger pretty early on. I think at In Your House 4, I mean, I know he does the commentary, but they know he's getting this other shot, right? Oh, yeah, it's part of it. He's he's like, I'm going to face whoever wins this. And they they right. even they even ask him a lot, like, who would you rather face? And at one right. point, he's like, well, if I have to fight Davey again, it's going to break the family up again. <laughs> <laughs> Still hanging on to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I love, too, that in this era, we're in, like, the whole graphic lighting era. So like yes. with the pink hearts moving around or the razor blades on the floor, <laughs> like to me, more than anything else, that's new generation. Oh, yeah. And because that starts right, at, I think it's King of the 94s when they start doing those lights and stuff. So th- that's definitely like the true kind of new generation era. I knew on New General Mission, they're hitting 93, which is kind of the beginning of it. But yeah, I always felt WrestleMania 10 was like the real. I feel like 93 from Survivor Series 92 to like Survivor Series 93 feels like a real transition still period. To me, it's not really until they put the title on Brett and do the the lights and Brett gets his new music and they coined the new generation term. So like to me, it's really 94, 95 into early 96. I would agree. And and those lights, I know it seems stupid, but those lights they would bring to house shows. Yes. And, and I remember thinking like that was a major upgrade from their old house shows. Yes. Because, like, in the old house shows, all you got was the lights from all the cigarettes being lit when the lights went out. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Bret Hart in, uh, I feel, the rarest of his gear tonight, too. All pink. Yeah, I always like the all pink. Me, too. Me, too. And Vince is just going on about his legacy and and, and loyalty and how, how Bret is so loyal to the WWF and <laughs> a, a great company, man. Fuck, he, he, really, he really destroyed that a few years later, didn't he? Mm. Two years almost to the show. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, it's been a weird odyssey like we talked about for Brett. We get some mind games early. Both guys take off the turnbuckle pads, kind of well, like playing it up. Yeah, and before we get into the match, I was were you surprised at all about the mixed reaction for Diesel? Am I surprised he got cheered or booed? Both. Like, I, I was surprised it was it was mixed more than anything else. Well, what did you expect it to be is what I'm saying. I expected cheers, I suppose. No, nah, I, I think everyone was pretty much done with him. <laughs> like, especially against Brett. Uh, I, I, I think he was on fumes, honestly, since SummerSlam. He got the little bump at like in your house three because they did the tag with him and Sean, right? Which was pretty good. 
But and then they had that really good beat down on Raw with the, like the seven heels beating down the three faces, which is really the Bill Watts Raw. That mm. was pretty good. Um, I think the In Your House Four just did a lot of damage. Just really hurt him. I mean, Vince is still on board. He, he Vince drops a smoking like he's the fucking <laughs> goddamn mask like when Diesel comes out. Um, and I I also love this little touch before when they show Brett the belt and he he holds it in his hands and cause does that little eyebrow raise. I find yes. that such a nice little shot that, like, I feel like that's a shot that got used in video packages a lot. Yeah, that's an infamous one. Yeah. Uh, so we get going. Like I said, they take off the tumbuckle pads. Good aggressive heavy strikes from Diesel. He started to dominate. Jim Ross says his goal is to end this early, which I think is a good talking point. Mm-hmm. He's working the back. He's the first guy to use a chair. Of course, this is no holds barred. Uh-huh. Uh, and I thought the commentary was really good here, actually, all throughout this. I thought they were really focused on the story. Diesel does go for the quick end with the jackknife, but Brett blocks it desperately and escapes. I thought that was a really cool start. Yeah, I like the start, too. I like that um, Vince is, like, amazed at the psychological posturing. Like, he just doesn't – he can't comprehend it at first, which is funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that it starts with like a re- like Diesel super aggressive, right? Um, how do you feel about Diesel's braid in his hair? Uh, I think it was him trying to mix it up a little bit, maybe get some mojo going. <laughs> um, I I find it unacceptable, but that's mm. me. Um, I like too that in this match, Brett is kind of like at least at the beginning, he's kind of on the run, which yes. I find is very different for him. Like he's often the aggressor. Like, especially against bigger guys, I find. And it really gave off the sense that um, Diesel hurt him. Like, he was actually able to hurt him. And when Diesel starts using the chair, like you said, I really like that the commentators reference back to the January match where Bret Hart used the chair in the match. Yes. Yep. Yep. That was a good tie-in. Like I said, they were pretty on point this whole match. I, I thought they were really good. With the story, uh, Brett does what Bulldog couldn't do. He works the leg and does it interestingly. Even gets into a figure four. Like you said, JR's calling back to the Rumble, which is good. Uh, Ross, I like this. Sp- uh, yeah. Ross declares that vintage Bret Hart. Naturally. I guess he trained Michael Cole. <laughs> and Ric Flair trained Bret Hart. All the rivals. Uh, I thought Brett <laughs> did a nice job getting creative where he tied Diesel's leg to the post with the cord. I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, and he's pretty vicious here, actually. And they, they talk about it. Like he really wants to belt. Like he's not going to waste his chance. So he's pretty aggressive. Uh, he gets caught up top and slammed hard. And diesel finally unties the cord off his leg. And then a really good back and forth from there. Just a deliberate pace, but not slow. It just feels heavy. The pace feels heavy and hard hitting. See, I found it slow. Like I, 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 slower than I remember it. Like when I, the, the last time I watched it, like I was like, oh, it, it's kind of, I, I found it, I, I see what you mean about lay, um, heavy, but I found it at points a little bit laboring. Maybe a little bit. Um, I don't know. I, I felt like it, it felt like a psychological design. Like neither, like Diesel knew Brett's kind of the master that could strike at any time. So he's working carefully. Brett's being aggressive and trying to find his spots. Like it felt like they were, like measured. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't think it's helped by the fact that like when Brett ties Diesel's legs up, he doesn't give himself nearly enough slack in right. the wire. And, like he's he's really struggling to like mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever try to tie something with not enough rope, but it's really yes. not a fun thing right. to do. Uh, who hasn't? Who hasn't done that at some point? Um and Diesel's like I find Diesel's cursing a lot in the match. And holy shit, does he have a lot of cavities in his mouth? Mm-hmm. He really needed that uh, wrestling dentist to come in, like, and then eventually try and be him. Yep, I'll be you, but with cleaner teeth. Aha! Uh-huh. Not really. Isaac Yankum had terrible teeth. Yes, and we, I love that yeah. after all these beatings and everything, Vince goes, "It's come down to this," but it's a no DQ match. Like, I don't right. understand why he's appalled. Right. Well, maybe this they had to get to this point to have this type of match. Yes. We get the iconic spot in here where, and it's really the first of its kind since a while, and it'll start a major trend where Brett's on the edge of the apron, Diesel shoves him, and he goes flying back through the table in an iconic, it's an iconic spot, it's well known, and it really kind of kicks off the era of using the table as a weapon. 
specifically in at least WF. I know ECW obviously had already kind of been exploring that path with Public Enemy, but uh, Brett in the WF is really the first to kind of reignite this table bump stuff, and he he takes a good one. Oh, it's such a tremendous spot. Like it, it's a really uh, tremendous spot. There's a bunch of cool things too that kind of that kind of happened before that. Like I really like that. Like um, Brett breaks out these like sick elbows to the face, mm-hmm. which he doesn't really do anywhere else. And this elicits Vince to say like, "Somebody's going to be champ when this is over," which feels very obvious. Right. <laughs> I'm guessing. Um, and, and Diesel's tied like forever, right? Like he's, uh, he's really all kind of caught up for a long mm-hmm. time. Um, but yeah, we get, we get pays up payoffs before the table. We get the payoffs to both, um, turnbuckles taken off. Yes. And I love the plancha where like Brett jumps himself over and then Diesel, like Diesel just moves. Yep. Like it's such a simple thing. Uh, and, and so that, that's like the preamble to him getting, like destroyed through the table. And when he does go through the table, I love how fucked up the Spanish guys are. <laughs> they topple over. It topple, but it's the slow topple, you mm-hmm. know, with the legs in the air. <laughs> and the that table, the snap of the table is like so perfect. I, I don't I don't know what it was with this particular table, but like it just makes this perfect snapping noise as it goes to the middle of it. The only table spot that I can think of that's like on the level of this one from like sort of this era is good friends better enemies when Diesel yeah. power bombs Sean through it and yeah. both monitors go in the air and land on Sean. Yes. Like God damn it, that must have fucking hurt. <laughs> and those are like the first again, like two big table spots uh, that kind of kick off that run of using the table more. Those two. Yeah, Diesel's like a. The more I think about Diesel, he's a really sneaky, influential wrestler. Yeah. And not for the reasons you think, like you, you think of him as influential in terms of NWO, but like, he's really, uh, he's really morphing into a character that we haven't really seen before in the company. Yeah. And, and many have said he was almost like a forebearer of what Stone Cold would become. Like he kind of set that tone of just not giving a shit, not trusting anyone, only trusting his specific fans, kind of being a badass, saying what he wants to say, especially right after this match, you know, when he just says, screw this, I'm done kissing babies or whatever yeah so i mean he kind of does become a prototypical stone cold during this little six months yeah uh, after the the table spot brett is like dead yes He's dead diesel doesn't he, it's like he doesn't know what to do and so he throws brett in the ring and he starts signaling the jackknife and the the crowd is not happy like they're they, they are actively like booing the shit out of him and we get him in the powerbomb position, and he falls. And Jim Ross is, like, in full begging mode, like, just turn him over and pin him. Yes. Uh, and then Diesel makes that one little error, mm-hmm. shows the compassion, and Brett rolls him up, small package, wins the title. Diesel lets out a very loud motherfucker. Yep. He knows he screwed up, and it cost him his year-long reign. Because he had him beat. I mean, Brett's complete dead weight. All Diesel had to do was hoist him up and jackknife him, but he kind of hesitates for that one second, and that one second costs him um, just a slight let up. And then after the match, Diesel oh. crushes him with two nasty jackknives yeah. and destroys the ref. So that kind of starts uh, his really cool twist of a turn coming up, and I think it's the next time at Raw where he does a really good promo. It so, is. yeah. Well, even tonight, he's yelling, I'm back. Because he takes the belt right. from the ref and he throws it at Bret Hart on the ground. And Bret Hart in his book says Diesel um, threw the belt at him and said, remember who did you the fucking favor? Right. Now, yep. I watched for this and did not see this anywhere. Maybe it was backstage. Yeah, maybe. Or off camp. Maybe when they went off the air or something. You think he took the belt back and then threw it at him again? Maybe. I don't know, or maybe he's just exaggerating, but yeah. Uh, Bret Hart? No, come on. No, you know I could have done the exaggeration, but you know it will put tears in someone's eyes. I saw Bret live, maybe the last time ever in Webster, Massachusetts. It was exciting, uh, and I didn't realize like how big of a deal that show was. Like that was the one with FTR and Dax Harwood did the kind of emotional like you're my hero and this means so much to me but like i didn't realize like this was 
the only time you'd ever really gotten to meet him and probably the oh really time yeah i was you know brett managing him and all the, i don't know meet him but brett being in the ring with him i should say where brett was managing ftr mm. in the match uh and they kind of paid tribute to him after so i didn't realize it was like such a big show going into it but so my friend has a, a chair from the 97 survivor series mm-hmm. and he wants to get it signed by brett and sean and I keep saying, get try to get Vince too. That'd be the ultimate, right? Um, but I think I think you might have put up in one of our groups like a video of Bret Hart coming to the ring. Yes. And I shared it with him, and I was like, "You better get oh, Bret yeah, Hart he to sign." He did not look yeah. good. Yeah, he looked very frail, like, and it it kind of made me very sad. <laughs> he should have came to the show because Bret was signing stuff, and it was actually pretty reasonable. It was only like a hundred and ten dollars, something like that. Like it wasn't bad oh, wow. compared. Mm-hmm. Uh, my buddy John, who also worked the show, said Brett was pretty much just like medically uh, smoking a lot of weed. <laughs> Basically, oh. he was like high the whole time, uh, trying right. to probably, I'm guessing, stay, uh, keep the pain away, <laughs> physical pain away. Uh, but I he, guess... said he, he said he was pretty baked like the whole time. Like he said he was chill and, and cool, but he just said he was clearly just like high the whole time. I guess that's why, because like when you think about it, like it feels like FTR basically begging him to come and manage him in AW, right? Right. And and like it's like, well, in your head, you're like, why? Why wouldn't he do this? And I guess after seeing it's that, entrance, a lot. yeah, yeah, it's probably a lot for him. And then even then, what's he gonna do if he can't really do much, right? Like he's probably he's probably one of these guys that like if he's gonna go out there, he wants to be his hundred hundred percent as or as close as hundred percent as he can be. Right, he's probably just so banged up and in pain from all the shit he's gone through that. Uh, Because even in the moment, like, Dax is, like, pouring his heart out and, like, Brett's is, like, standing there, like, with a smile. Like, I thought it looked weird at the time. And then when he told me that after, I was like, oh, okay, like, that kind of makes sense. (laughs) Um, But anyway, it seemed like a cool special moment for Dax. It was cool to be there in that building to witness it. So that was neat. That's cool. I wish I could have gone. Hmm. I had that and then that GCW back to back were two big, <laughs> two big experiences for sure with uh, Will Ospreay uh, showing up against uh, Nick Wayne. So that's kind of cool. Nice. Nice. So this post match is mm-hmm. is really something um, I, I really I really dig it. Um, what I think of this match, I think the match is really great. Uh, I think it tells a really good story. But on this viewing, I felt it was just a little bit slow. Right. Uh, maybe a little bit. Again, I, I I was fine with it as part of the psychology of the match, uh, for sure. I, I thought it was great overall. I thought it was stiff. It was hard hitting. It was to the point. The commentary was super focused on the story. Like this is the Diesel we wanted all this time, and Brett just brought the fight to him, and he was super stiff. So I, I think it's a great classic main event. Uh, it held up for me. And I just wish we got we were allowed more of this diesel through his title reigns. I think 1995 is looked at much differently if he's like a badass butt kicker kind of guy. Yeah, it, it's a weird kind of missed the boat. I think that in the promo the next night, he looks at Vince and he says, you missed the ball on this one, pal. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And I, I think he's like 100 percent right. Um, as for match quality, I think I think I'm a, I, I, I end up. I ended up about four and a quarter for this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that leads it lends itself to like an eight match quality for me. Yeah, with a nine. I had it at four and a half. So uh, but, I, you know, I think a lot and even me in the past would have looked at this as a five. I, I mm-hmm. think at least historically in my mind and then watching it for Warzone and watching it now, like I've definitely come down a little bit on it due to some of the stuff we talked about. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, still a great, great match. One of Diesel's best. I would have his match with Sean in April after this higher. Right. Uh, but it's, you know, for, for a while I had them comped and, and they're still close to me. They're still close. They're close. Yeah. Yeah. Like I could totally see the argument four and a half. This is a show. This survivor series 95 was a really weird show for me because I, I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but like I, I, um, I've got the pay-per-view and I taped it. On um, so I kind of watched it live, but I remember live I couldn't pay attention to it for whatever reason. Right. But I taped it, and the next day my house got broken into. Yes, I think I remember and this they, one. And they stole the VCR with the tape inside of it. 
And I was, I was like, fuck, like, I mean, there's a lot of other things to worry about at the time, but this was not a show I ever saw like ever again. Cause I don't know, for whatever reason, my video stores didn't carry it. We didn't have the network yet, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, I only saw it and it must've been like 2008 or nine. My wife, my girlfriend at the time, but who became my wife, she bought me the survivor series box sets that existed. Right. And this was the first thing I threw on. I'm like, Oh, finally I can watch it again. (laughs) (laughs) Did it hold up? Did it meet your dreams? Oh, I loved it. I, cause I remember thinking, I remember liking the show a lot at the time too. Right. Yeah. That's a good show. Uh, and this is a great topper for it. Uh, all right. So significance. I'm at a five for significance. Um, I, look, it's the end of diesel and it really did seem to mark an instance where Vince was listening to the fan base. Mm-hmm. It was also like the second apology to Bret Hart. Like it's almost like WrestleMania 10 was the first apology. Like, we're sorry we didn't go with you sooner. And then this one is kind of like, sorry, Brett. <laughs> like, you're right, right. we should have. Um, and it really does, too, feel like the end of trying to find the next Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Like, we're finally actually moving on. Yeah, I, I went five as well. I, I think that the reasons you mentioned all are pretty much why. It's the end of Diesel's reign. It feels like the beginning of a new era, even though, as we'll talk about in a minute, like Brett is kind of just a lame duck champion. So yeah. there's still kind of a stall out afterward, but getting going back to him was significant in that they always go back to him when they're in trouble, right? At this point. So uh yeah, it just it felt like um not super significant, but also not nothing. No, it, it's good enough. Like I, I think you can I think I, I I'm hoping that I can separate the significance from the title reign. Because I really do think it's significant that they they don't go back to another Hogan. Right. Like I, like it's almost like as soon as they saw, like they went with Brett, but then as soon as they saw they had another potential Hogan, they went with him. Yeah. And that's not really anything they ever do again. Like in the next year, we're eventually going to talk about it. They go to Sid, but it's mm-hmm. not the same. They're not. Right, it's not because of that. Yeah, they're not trying to build the empire around Sid. No, I mean they should have, but but no. Um, yeah, so I'm at a, I, I'm at a five for significance. Yes. Okay. Same. Uh, moment I went five again, I felt kind of middle of the road, like Brett gets beat up right after it. So he doesn't really get to celebrate the, the aftermath, like that beatdown was great. Um, and it's kind of an iconic finish with the motherfucker and all that. So it's good, but it's not like in all time, it's going to make the montage moment. Like you said, it's actually kind of Brett with the eyes is more of the moment. Um, mm. but like at the end, it's kind of, it's not something you see in all the video packages and talked about for years to come kind of thing. Yeah. I, I went a bit higher actually in the moment. I went a six because, um, number one, I thought the match was good that we meant to deal with that in match. But, um, I found it at the time. I remember being surprised when he won and right. I, I, and I'm, I'm wondering how much, cause we're talking about how the writing's on the wall, but I don't know how obvious that was to me watching it live at the time. Mm. I think that that might have I might have been distant from that. So for me, it was surprising. It was a surprise ending too. Like it wasn't the traditional like right. hit a finisher ending. I love the playing possum. Brett outsmarted him. It kind of ended Brett and Diesel. I know they have another match later on, but I found this was really kind of the capper to their kind of like almost like a semi feud that they keep going back to every few months. Um, and then when I factored in the post-match beating too, I, I really love that beating. I think it's really cool. I, we see the transformation of Diesel. So that's why I, th- I think I'm like a tad higher on it. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, for build, I went seven. So it kind of balances out you uh, here. Oh, it yeah. looks like yeah, you're a little bit lower. But uh, I, I thought the build was really good. You had the year-long Diesel run. So you're obviously the build naturally is going to have a lot of momentum because it's like, when's it, when's it going to end? Is this it? Uh, going back to Brett kind of pays off the year long journey. He had going on. He lost to Backlund. Diesel beat Backlund. He had a shot at the rumble. He kind of blew that. So now he's really spent the whole year crawling his way back up. And, uh, you know, to this point, so it felt like the two top guys of the promotion going at it to see if, you know, if diesel won this, he'd be etched in, right. If he could knock Brett off, uh, and pin him clean, so it's a big chance for him, and then Brett's a big chance to get the title for the third time. So, yeah, they do a really good job branching them away from each other mm-hmm. from January. Uh, I love that it builds off their two previous matches. Um, I love that it's kind of like 
after their January match, they really go their separate ways, and Diesel has his run, but Brett also kind of spends the year just beating everybody else. Right. So it's like, it's a very legitimate uh, trek up the quote-unquote standings for Brett. Mm-hmm. So I like that. I like the history. Um, I like that they both acknowledge the history going into it too, which is something they don't always do. Uh, so I'm at a six for build, but I, I, I do think it's quite strong. And very earned. It's an earned... Yes. Like the, everything about this is earned. Yep, agreed. Uh, aftermath, I went at three here. Like I said, Brett, Brett's pretty much a lame duck champion. We do get the really good match of Bulldog out of it, and then the hype to the Iron Man. Obviously, is you know well done. We'll talk about it next episode. The Diesel match, the Undertaker match in between suck. Brett looks disinterested. At the very least, he's burned out. I think he knew he was just there to pass it to Sean. And I'm sure I don't think that was high on his list at this point after going for, you know, 10 years without a real break. I think he was just needed the rest and recharge, which he gets soon. So I think that combined with, you know, the title change, like Diesel could have just kept this and lost to Sean and nothing would have been different. Right. So I think that's a big thing in it. I think what does help carry it is, is the Bulldog match. Brett being the guy that Sean beats is good and then also diesel's heel turn that comes off of this is great so it almost feels like sean should have beat diesel for the belt though yeah i think him beating brett felt more like a torch passing though like it like yeah. he's beating the stalwart uh but i could also see if you just keep strapped diesel to mania and now all of a sudden he's at like 15 months and yeah. then sean ends it in the payback from Mania 11, like that could have worked too. Yeah, I could see it. Uh, I guess they don't want to run the same main event two year, well, main event title match two years in a row. Um, yeah, I just it's sad because it ends up being Brett's worst run with the title. I feel like, and that I mean, like I guess you can throw the one day one in there too, but like, like he, you said he's really unmotivated in January February, and it really shows in the matches that we get. Like the under, I I hate that Undertaker oh. match at the Royal Rumble. It's it, I've tried. It's like I want to like it, and they've had mm-hmm. great matches, so it's not like this is an impossible uh, uh, combination to make work. But that one's awful, and I really don't like the cage match. Um, so yeah, he is kind of lame duck, um, and that's why. But whatever, I mean, still and not. Like, horrible. Yeah, like I've always said, that that's my refrigerator match, Brett and Taker. No matter how many times you open that refrigerator door. It's all the same stuff in there. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, so you want to open it every time and hope you'll find some treat that you missed the first 10 times you looked in there. And like, it's like the same thing. I, I keep looking for when that match is going to be good. And it just never is. That's got to be Brett's worst match, right? Like worst pay-per-view big time match. Yeah. Probably worst big time match. I'm sure he had worse matches, but uh, like Backlund at 11 depends how you compare oh, those. Yeah. I, I would say that's worse, but it's the up there. worst title match. I would say worst pay-per-view title match. Yes. Yeah. The survive. I put the Survivor Series '93 match up there too, but there's yeah. too many other factors to blame him. And what's crazy is it's like at this point, it wouldn't even be close to Undertaker's worst. No, it's still no. like as much as I'm shitting on it. I think I still have it at like two stars. But like, right. yeah. But like, it's like I don't want to hate a two star match. Like I hate this match. It's just so long. Yeah, long and nothing happens. Um, yeah. So that lands uh, Bret Hart versus Diesel from the 1995 Survivor Series. With a whopping 57 points. Was this mm-hmm. obvious to you? It was. Uh, for sure at the time. I, there was Diesel was just on such fumes. Things had gotten so bad. And it was obvious. Even as a you know, 14 year old watching this. like It was kind of clear that the Diesel thing was just not working. <laughs> so like it just seemed very unlikely he would beat Brett clean. So I don't want to say like, super obvious. Like oh yeah definite. But. I would have probably put it at like 80, 20 odds that Diesel was losing this match. It would have been, it would have been an upset. I think if he beat Brett clean and rolled on. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say kind of ish. Like I'm probably, I'd probably would have put the odds at say like 60, 40 instead. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause again, like I remember being surprised, but in, in retrospect, it's 1000% obvious. Right. Um, so look, before we go through our uh, list of matches, you want to hit up anything on the North South connection podcast network? Yeah, just all stuff I'm proud of, man. We have, like, at least one show a day. 
Uh, the return of closed dozen headlines has been successful. I want to thank Ryan Gray and crew for putting that together. So that's every other Friday. It's our current WWE slash indie scene podcast that rotates with, you, uh, you know what that means, which is our AEW podcast. So Fridays are our current wrestling days here at No So. Also, uh, launched a little passion project. I, I, I don't want to commit to how often it's going to happen, but at the movies with JT hit, uh, where I'm going to be covering, uh, it's a live watch of comedy movies that, uh, were released between 1992 and 2012, so that 20-year stretch. I'll have rotating guests on. The first episode was American Pie. It had to be. Uh, so uh, Rocco Martone joined me for that one. We talked about uh, it's kind of our our similar experiences to the stuff in that movie, as well as the uh, where the stars were going into that, where they were coming out of it, and what that movie meant influential influence-wise uh, on the genre to go. So. Check that out. Also, uh, Aaron, I'll spotlight the wrestler that was every other Monday. So you're going through the pay-per-view careers of various wrestlers. You're bouncing around. You've done uh, Jake Roberts. You've done Razor Ramon. You've done Batista. And they're all uh, great great listens. They're all up there with the quality of the year that was. Uh, and I've said it uh, many times. It's prestige audio for uh, what you churn out as a solo outing to go an hour and keep it all entertaining is impressive. So there you go. Oh, thank you, my friend. Um, it's a pleasure yeah. to do them. Hey, now, jockass, jockass. All right, let's get to our uh, let's get to our list, shall we? Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So, uh, should we do? It? I guess we'll do it all. There's only 28 of them. Sure. All right. In 28th position, Pedro Morales versus Stan Stasiak. If you're wondering off the top, yes, it was the last place match with Stan Stasiak. <laughs> number 27 hulk hogan versus yokozuna from wrestlemania 9 number 26 hulk hogan versus the undertaker from the survivor series number 25 bruno san martino versus stan Stasiak from december 17 uh 17 says <laughs> felica <like> 1973 <laughs> number 24 uh bruno versus ivan koloff from january 71 number 23 ultimate warrior versus sergeant slaughter royal rumble 1991 Number 22, Bret Hart versus Yokozuna, WrestleMania 9. Right above it, number 21, Hulk Hogan versus Yokozuna from King of the Ring 1993 from Dayton. Dayton. <laughs> number 20, uh, Pedro Morales versus Ivan Koloff from February 71. So a one-month reign for Koloff. Number 19, Randy Savage versus Ric Flair, Hershey, Pennsylvania, September 1st, 1992. Number 18, Bruno San Martino versus the superstar Billy Graham from um, uh, April 77. I should clarify. I think that Savage Flair aired on 9-1 primetime. I forget the exact date it happened, but. It was the 9-1 primetime, yes. Yeah. Uh, Bob Backlund versus Billy Graham is our 17th match from February 78. Our 16th is Hulk Hogan versus Sergeant Slaughter from WrestleMania 7. Our 15th, Diesel versus Bob Backlund from November 94. So Diesel has, Diesel has nothing below 15. Right. Interesting. Our 14 is Hogan Undertaker from this Tuesday in Texas. Uh, number 13, Bret Hart versus Ric Flair from Saskatoon, October 1992. Number 12, Bob Backlund losing to the Iron Sheik in December 83. Number 11, Buddy Rogers versus Bruno San Martino from May of 63. Number 10, into the top 10 now, Bret Hart versus Bob Backlund. Bob Backlund shocked the world in Survivor mm-hmm. Series 1994. And then right above it is the match we just talked about tonight, Bret Hart versus Diesel, Survivor Series 1995. It's interesting it finished right above it. Yes. Like, that's cool. Like, there's some kind of interesting symmetry there. Mm-hmm. Uh, number eight, Bret Hart versus Yokozuna from WrestleMania 10. Number seven, Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior from WrestleMania 6. Six, the Macho Man Randy Savage defeating Ted DiBiase at the WrestleMania 4 tournament. WrestleMania number five. WrestleMania five. Hulk Hogan Ooh. versus Randy Savage. We can never change that. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four from WrestleMania 8, Randy Savage defeating Ric Flair. Number three, Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant at the main event in February of 88. Number two, Hulk Hogan versus the Iron Sheik, January 84, launch in Hulkamania. And then just above it by two points is the 1992 Royal Rumble match. Ric Flair won the title. So on our, honestly, our top four were all within six points of each other. So that, that top four is pretty well bunched. 
at the top. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty tight. Now, when we talked at the beginning, like what could be the perfect one or the highest one, we kind of threw some things. But I do think there's quite a few that could top the Rumble Mat, our, our current number one. Right. Yeah, I, I would say so. I was just curious, like if anything could get in the 90s. You know what I mean? Like really high score. Yeah, cause it's weird because like, like nothing like clicks all the boxes, right? Right. Yeah. I think you, That's why it's I such think an intriguing you, project. I think you might be right. I think it's going to be uh, Stone Cold and Sean. Yeah, I think that's hit the most. It'll hit the most. Because it's still a good match, too. Yeah, it's very good. Well, if anyone out there listening has any predictions, send them in to us if you think that there's one that'll stand out as an option. It's going to hurt some of the modern ones, you know? Like, they're going to really struggle when it comes to, like, importance and moment and stuff like that, so. You're not going to rank the Jinder Mahal defeating Randy Orton uh, high? Uh, well, you never know. Stranger things have happened. Like Jinder Mahal winning the championship. All right, that'll do it for us. We'll be back in two weeks with another No Holes Barred. We'll be uh, doing our next installment of GWWE List Breakdown a month from tonight. We'll be back with this very project with our next match on the list. And also check us out every other Monday on Now Entering the Royal Rumble, where Aaron and I break down every single performance in every Royal Rumble match by every single entrance. So it's usually fun. Uh, beyond that, the Dookie's been dropped, and we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Come through years and years can't believe